0: the gods, the drugs from my generation I'll take the fall the state! No across the nation
1: what is up everybody welcome to another edition of curveballs and share shots it's friday you know what that means my name is brandon tanguma sitting electronically more than six feet away from me is my lovely and esteemed co-host dominic cops and dominic we lied to the people we said we were gonna possibly be doing more later podcast and after the last episode maybe it was a good thing that we're not doing a late podcast again because we're back our regularly scheduled time here 11 30 in the morning how are you doing today buddy
0: well, I'm not drinking, if that's what you're alluding to. But I'm doing fine. How are you, Brandon?
1: Doing okay. A little sleepy. Dr- drank my uh, Friday rains and rate, not rays. Not to be confused with Rays Energy. Which shout out Travis. He sent me a TikTok yesterday of some kid actually drinking rays out in the wild. Didn't know that was an actual thing. But Rain Energy, you know, Eva Marie is sponsored by Rain's Energy. Maybe we'll talk about her a little bit later. But I'm doing doing okay, Dominic. Uh, how you doing? Not drinking? Speaking of Travis, he uh, kind of called you up, called you a little bitch for being like a little drunk off one truly, even though I got to come, I gotta come mm. to your defense a little bit, Dominic. Travis does not listen to the wrestling portion of the podcast, and that is when you started kind of drinking a lot heavier.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Because let's see, I'm trying to recall that night. Uh, Let's see. I had no, I didn't even drink the one that was that wasn't even my first drink. What a fucking Oh, I swear to God. I'm sorry that I'm not a alcoholic,
1: right? Exactly. Because you're only a alcoholic if you go to the meetings. Speaking of meetings, I'm supposed to be technically like working right now, but I might get a phone call during the podcast, but probably not because all the time they tell me, oh, we're going to call
0: you. And then they never
1: do. So that's why we're here doing a normally scheduled podcast. And that
0: means that I'm going to have to hold. They are going to call you and then I have to hold it down. I'm going to be like, well. You know, uh, or, here, here's a crazy idea. I just hit the pause button
1: on the record, take the phone call. Then we come back like nothing ever happened.
0: Uh, I think it'd be funnier if I tried to hold it down, but it's up to you. You know, you're, you're, you're 85% of this podcast. So, you know, your call. I appreciate it. Sometimes
1: i over my work. I feel like I'm doing 85% of the work as well. So there you go. I'm used to that. Now let's get on into. The MLB standings, we took a week off last week because there's too much NFL draft talk about. We don't actually have too much like news and stuff. We have the normal NXT and AEW recap. But let's go through the MLB standings after week five, six. We skipped a week, and now my count is all off. But standing in the American League East still is the first place Red Sox at a 19-13 and 13 record. They hold a one-and-a-half game lead over the Tampa Bay Rays, who just swept. The L.A. Dodgers in a four-game set to get the Blue Jays. They split with the A's this past week. Yankees, they face the Astros, and maybe we'll talk about that. And then the poor old Orioles
0: down all the way at the bottom. But only three and a half games out. I mean, I think we were talking about it, you know, not last week, but the week before. But we were kind of looking at, like, how the Yankees and Baltimore were kind of, oddly enough, well, not Baltimore. I mean, they're kind of trash, but, you know, the Yankees were kind of down there, but they're only two and a half back. So, I mean, you always ask the question when, as a, you know, if you're a Yankees fan, when you start worrying. definitely, definitely not yet, because they're only two and a half back. It's anyone's division right now.
1: They're only two and a half back, but they've actually been, I don't know if I'd say playing good baseball, but they've getting a lot of wins. They've faced the Orioles and the Tigers, two of the worst teams in the league so but I said this with the A's if you're playing shitty teams good teams take care of business and that's what the Yankees are doing Giancarlo Stanton he's absolutely mashing the ball I saw a stat where it's like he has I think 17 hits or 17 batted balls over 115 miles an hour and the next closest person is Aaron Judge and he has three so I mean Giancarlo definitely a slow start to the season but he has picked up steam and as Giancarlo's gone, so have the Yankees. I still believe in them that they will eventually get to the top of this division.
0: Oh, yeah. No, I mean, you know, if if we could change picks, I would definitely put Yankees probably top in Boston wildcard. But, you know, I ain't no bitch. I ain't going to go back on my word.
1: I'm saying the Yankees are... Still going to be in contention for the AL East, but I'm not, I'm gonna kind of back off my World Series prediction a little bit. They're still not at that level that I kind of maybe wrongfully expected them to be just because of the Yankees. Because if you look at the offseason, they didn't do too much to really add and build upon what they did last year. But Corey Kluber, he's taking care of business against those shitty teams. I mean, he absolutely dealt against the Tigers, but it's the Tigers. So maybe if uh, Kluber can maybe revert back to. Showing some spurts of his Cleveland Indian days, then maybe the Yankees can have a, a nice, nice person behind Garrett Cole because that's really the only reliable starter they have. And Arolas Chapman just throwing fire, straight fire. He's striking out like two people every outing, every inning. It's insane. Now let's move over to the American League Central. The Cleveland Indians stand atop at 17 and 13, holding a half game lead over the 16 and 13 Chicago White Sox. The White Sox once again have a key injury. Luis Robert or Luis Robert. I always forget what the proper term is, but he goes down with, I believe, like a hip flexor, hip injury. He runs to first base and he just like landed all awkwardly and he's like hobbling on one foot as he goes down the baseline. RIP Eloy Jimenez. And now, unfortunately, another White Sox has to go down and maybe they just put him in the same grave, hold a candlelight vigil for him you know, lower the flags at half mass over there at guarantee rate field or park stupidest name in baseball.
0: Jeez. You're very, uh, RIP Luis Robert. Like you're really thinking this guy's that screwed up. Bless you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a, if it's a hit flexor and eh, depends the, the severity of it. I mean, that's definitely something you can come back from, but I mean, if you look at it, Kansas city, God bless you. Man, will you shut the fuck up, God? Yeah, that's what I have to deal with every day, people. Um, if you look at it, Kansas City is only one game back of Cleveland, so I mean, I, I don't know if this will hurt the White Sox in possibly moving down a place, but if it, if it's a hip flexor, he'll be fine. He'll be back in a couple of weeks.
1: Eloy and Luis both going down hurts the White Sox tremendously. I mean, he's going to be out for maybe like a month, something like that. He's going to be gone for a little bit. Eloy, he's gone for like the first half of the season. And the Royals and the Indians are playing pretty good ball at the moment. The Twins sitting back six games behind 11 and 19. I I mean, I'm having confidence in the Yankees to uh, fulfill my prediction. But the Twins, I mean, I know they've kind of had an off and on season because of COVID and everything like that, but still. I mean, I had much higher expectations than what they're producing right now. They still have Byron Buxton, who is like the hottest, was the hottest hitter to begin the season, and they
0: still can't do anything with it. Well, I mean, if you look at who's in last place, I mean, somebody. I'm not going to name any names here, but might have them like winning the World Series in last
1: place at the AL Central. Yes, it is Dominic's American League champion World Series champion, Detroit Tigers at nine and twenty three. Don't call it a, to, of, don't, still, don't still call a comeback. Of, still a lot of baseball left, Dominic. It's, we're only May 7th. We still got like five more months of this.
0: Exactly. I'm not holding my breath, though.
1: Yeah, we, we wouldn't want you to hold your breath, Dominic, because we don't want something bad to happen to you. Then over in the American League West, we have the Ass Hat standings. Love to see it. The Oakland A's stand atop at 19 and 14, Mariners 17 and 15, Astros 16 and 15. Rangers 16 and 17 and the Angels, you and Travis's Angels, as I said, got swept by the Rays this week, down 13 and 17, four and a half games back and in last place of the AL West.
0: I mean, let's be honest here. No one could have predicted the Angels doing this bad. I mean, they do have a... Eh, I mean, I, I'm
1: not saying I said they would be a last place, but I didn't see them as a viable contender.
0: I mean, I think I put them in third place or second Pretty place or something sure like that. i you had
1: them making the playoffs at least.
0: I think I did. No, I'm not going to deny that, but I think I put him in, I think, like second. No, I think I put him first. I put him first, and I put the A's in a wild card. But, but you know, Shohei is actually doing phenomenal. Trout's doing Trout things. You know, RIP, Poolhouse. hate to see it. But, you know, I, I, I do think the Angels will, will make a comeback. And sadly enough, Brandon, I do have to say, watch out for those Astros still.
1: Yeah, watch out for those Astros. They did have that uh two uh, three game series against the Yankees. The Yankees fans just absolutely fucking belted every expletive in the dictionary towards the the Astros, rightfully so. Love to see it, and the uh, they lost two out of three, but and that's also kind of why I have more faith in the Yankees because they were playing shitty teams, they were beating shitty teams. But I still have, I still think the Astros are a good team. I predicted them to win the division. I still believe they can make a run for it, and yeah, the Astros are are going to be fine. Mariners, little little wishy-washy. I'm still not completely sold on them, but they have some good young talent over there. And yeah, the Angels, I mean, Mike Trout is having like the best start to his career ever, which is saying something. But Albert Pujols, designated for assignment, being released from the Angels in the last year of his contract, not doing so great. Dominic, is this the end of the road for Albert Pujols?
0: i or the machine. I want to say yes, just because you know what? Just, you know, ride off in the sunset, do some, get some, you know, get in the Hall of Fame, which he deserves, get some commentating
1: ballot Hall of Famer. I would like to think so. I mean, that wasn't strong enough, Dominic. Absolutely. So, uh, well, there you go. I think the question is, is he 100% Hall of Fame? Probably not because some asshat would be like, no. Oh, Mickey Mantle. Oh, Willie Mays didn't make it in the Hall of Fame. So Albert Pujols can't make it into the Hall of Fame 100%. Yeah,
0: I mean. Which is bullshit, but that's eh, neither here, nor, neither here yeah. nor there. We don't make that decision. But I, I would say, you know, two, two things I would like to see is either one, go back to St. Louis, retire as a Cardinal. That would be really cool to see. Number two would be, which I saw this on, I think Instagram was a post and it was like, you know, does he go to the A's? And that seems to be where these old stars, you know, tend My to. Piazza,
1: Frank Thomas, Hideki Matsui, Nomar Garcia-Para, Jason Kendall. You have a dying legendary Hall of Fame career. Come
0: on over to Oakland. You can ride it out. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. It's also, I mean, not to say that I would be wary of what, I mean, would you put him as Matt Olson's backup or DH? I, I don't know what the fuck to put him as, though. That's the thing. It's a joke. He's not signing with the A's. The A's don't need a slow
1: over the hill DH first baseman. They have Mitch Moreland who does everything better than Aberpuos does.
0: Okay, I wasn't being serious, but I was just saying if if we went that route.
1: Oh no, it's we now. I thought you might have jumped ship because you know well, the area teams are in focus hey, right now. Hey,
0: hey, allegiance to Oakland. Okay. I can but, flirt with the Giants still. But your hard. heart is in
1: San Francisco.
0: No, and
1: I'd like to make a correction. We do not have an ass hat, A.O. West. We have an ass hitah, A.O. West. I got the Angels and the Rangers mixed up. So, no ass hat, ass all. whatever that means. Uh, moving on over into the uh, National League. By the way, didn't talk about the A's too much. They're doing okay. A little disappointed that they dropped the last two to the Blue Jays, but facing the Rays this weekend. First time facing the Rays in the Coliseum since the last in-person baseball game Dominic and I have been to the AAL wildcard 2019.
0: Hey, by the way, real quick, I got a email from the AAC saying like, we got to use our flex voucher or whatever my thingamabobber. Is when there the an expiration fuck... date on it? I mean, let me double will check because You're I was pretty just sure like... it's
1: not. I mean, it doesn't matter because by this time next week, your boy will be fully vaccinated. And I know Dominic is going to call me a libtard God. sheeple. But I said once, and I, I was very itching. I kind of did want to go to the to an A's game these past couple weeks, but I, I stuck to my guns. I kept my promise. So maybe next weekend. But I don't think they're playing next weekend because I already saw, I already kind of planned this out in my head. But next weekend, the 18th midweek, they're playing the Astros at home, and I was really excited to wear my uh, Houston Trastros T-shirt to opening day or whatever it was last year in 2020 that never happened so need to see that happen they face the angels or is that the dodgers they face the angels away so maybe we we go to that that astros game or i mean at the end of may they have a pretty long home stand
0: well so my, my first official day is the 21st so you know anything before that we would have to coordinate with studio audience
1: could sneak into that Astros series if you really want to. It is a night game though, which I know she has a tough sleep schedule, so I don't know if it would just be us going. If that's even allowed, if that's even would,
0: that team. would never happen.
1: Uh, that's what I thought. All right, let's move on to the National League East. The Philadelphia Phillies surprisingly stand atop at seventeen and fifteen. They hold a one game lead over the Mets, thirteen and thirteen. Everybody else below five hundred. Uh, And the Nationals, who are in last place, are only two and a half games back, so a very close race here. The Mets second, Braves third, Marlins fourth, and the Nationals, as I said, down with uh, 12-15 and record. We're going to talk about the Mets first, Dominic. Francisco Lindor. Big acquisition, big contract, absolute dog shit right now. Is this concerning, or is it just a slump, and he's going to get back into the group of things?
0: I would like to think it's a slump. I would give him maybe a few weeks to really see if it's something that he can fight out of. And if not, I would be looking to find somebody that's suitable for replacement because if you're going to sign somebody this big to this big of a deal and they're not producing right away. I mean, look at Tatis. look at, you know, I look, look at everybody else who signed a pretty big contract this off season. They're producing. So, so, so after
1: a 10 year $341 million contract, Dominic is already ready to replace Francisco Lindor in year one. Fuck yeah, fuck that. Which technically, guy. this isn't even like his his actual like contract because he signed like an extension and then he signs a contract. But anyways, uh, right now he's batting one sixty three, with one home run, fifteen hits, three RBIs. Big yikes! I mean, big, big yikes. You would
0: be better than him right now.
1: I mean, I don't know about all that, but I mean, he. I mean, on base percentage is two ninety seven. At least he's getting some walks and getting on base. That's a, a positive. Let's just think about the positives for a second, but I do agree. It is a little troublesome to see what has gone on with Francisco and If we kind of look at his stats, uh, going back to like the end of the Cleveland days his he was kind of taking a little bit of a downtick, but as I said, 10 years, $340 million, you, you can't get rid of that. Like maybe there's a team out there, but even then you're still going to pay him and he has such star potential that you can't just jump off the boat year one. But if this is a continued stretch the entire year, I think once we get to the all-star break, we can take another look at this and see like, okay, yes, there's still like half of the season left to go, but I mean, come on, you're the guy here. I know we got Lindor, we got Alonzo and other guys and DeGrom throwing
0: lights out, but we can't score runs because you can't hit Lindor. You're the reason DeGrom can't win a game. And that, But that, and that's the thing. I mean, coming from a teammate, perspective you know hey our management our our owners are paying you a shit ton of money to fucking knock some runs in and you're getting walks and that's it it's like at what point do the teammates start to go you know what maybe this guy really isn't worth it and they start to get a little oh thank you computer um do they start to you know think that this guy's not worth it and start kind of getting a little i'm not gonna say hatred but a little animosity towards them
1: we're already seeing with the uh, Mets fans they are having some animosity towards Lindor already booing them it's I mean it's New York we see this with the Yankees we see with the Mets and it's the Mets I mean they have a troubled history for years decades at this point so I I think they're already kind of scared that we have new blood you know uh what's his name the the new owner the new owner he comes in Steve Cohen and he gets Lindor and it's like this new era this new regime and Already first month. Yes, they're, I mean, they're in second place. 13-13, not great, but still in the hunt after a month. But it, it's the Mets. They're fickle. And yeah, the Braves, my pick, 15-16. and 16. Once again, I mean, everyone's just kind of clumped together, so it's kind of hard for me to go out on a limb and say, like, oh, you know, they're trash, and oh, they have no shot of making the playoffs because it's so early, and they're all just kind of clumped together. But uh, the Braves, a little bit of a disappointment, I would say. And the Phillies quite a surprise that bullpen is still kind of trash, but they haven't been as trash as they were last year, which is saying something because they were like the worst bullpen in history. So uh, the Marlins, they're kind of where I expect in the nationals. It's kind of hard to really tell because they had COVID at the beginning of the season. Juan Soto has been gone. He's coming back. He's came, he came back, but he's only been doing pinch hitting duty. So maybe this weekend uh, they're facing the Yankees. Maybe he can play more of a full role capacity But, uh, you know, maybe after Juan Soto plays a little bit more with the Nationals, I can have a uh, much better opinion on them.
0: Well, it is a National League. Weird things have happened in the National League, Brandon. So keep your head up, kid.
1: Mm -hmm. I will say writing 10 hours of MLB previews yesterday really has helped my my full landscape of baseball knowledge, because normally I'm just locked into the A's and. Maybe like Dodgers, Padres, stuff like that. But now I got the whole landscape of mm-hmm. Major League Baseball. Love to well, see it, including
0: hang, the National well, League Central. Hang on, hang on. I want to point something out. Okay, to all the, you know. Okay, how many people do you think actually listen to this podcast? A couple hundred thousand, maybe. Yeah, could be conservative. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to say like a million, but you know, a couple hundred thousand is fine. Brandon officially received his. Would, what would it certificate? Right. Uh, it be that's a diploma, Dominic. Oh, sorry. I, I never went to college. I'm no big city sleuth, you know. But I just want to say, officially, Brandon, congratulations. You did it. You're, you are made it to the big times, kid. Good job.
1: Mm-hmm. I finally, in May, in year of our Lord, 2021, on May 6th, I finally received my diploma that I was granted on May 15th, 2020.
0: So, almost a year. Did you actually, they didn't walk or anything, right? They just said, like, oh, good job.
1: I Well, I... They haven't like sent me any emails or anything, but my understanding was that the year after this year, which are this year, I don't know if they're actually doing a walk or anything because I returned my cap and gown for the refund. They uh, we're we're supposed to
0: frugal ass motherfucker. We were just supposed to
1: (laughs) combine everybody in the 2020 and 2021 class at Oracle Park and do a, a ceremony there, but they haven't sent me anything. So I don't know if that means it's canceled or they're not doing it.
0: Would you go or would you just say, fuck it, I already returned my stuff. Not worth it.
1: I'd say, fuck it. I kind of don't want to do it regardless. It's more just like for my parents and my family for me to, to see me. I'd rather just take the photos and be like, OK, that's cool. Fine. But yeah, after a, a strongly worded email to parchment dot com or whatever the fuck it's called. I was like, "Excuse me, you sent, you said it was supposed to be delivered in July, and it's fucking May 2021." I know we got COVID and we're gonna live in a global global pandemic, but what the fuck? And then when they finally said that, they finally responded to me. It took them like a week to get it to me.
0: I was like, "Really? Was that easy?" Everybody, congratulations to Brandon Tanaguma. He is a. What what would you major in? Journalism. Uh, yes, yes, Dominic. I mean. I only he went is- to college
1: for like 12 years and finally got my
0: bachelor's. Oh, you got a bachelor's. I was going to say like an AA, but you know. That, that, that's community college. Oh. Brandon, good job. You're a smart guy. I love you. I love you, Dominic. Now let's move on to the NL
1: Central, the Cardinals. They are back. I believe maybe last time they weren't in first place, but now they are. They overtake the Milwaukee Brewers. The Cardinals have an 18-14 record. They hold a game advantage over the Brewers. Cubs in the middle, 15-16, and 16, tied ever so slightly. They have a winning percentage advantage over Mr. X's Reds at 14-15, and, and the Pirates down all the way at the bottom, 13-17, and 17, only four games back. But it's the Pirates who don't expect too, too much from them. Dominic, the Cardinals, are they here to stay in first place? Or are they Hail gonna be in
0: the
1: battle? To the with motherfucking the yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't let you finish. I'm sorry. Or are they gonna be in a, with a battle with the brewers the entire season?
0: No, they're they're gonna stay in first. Hail to the motherfucking yeah, but no. Um it, I think they're finally getting everything clicking together. They're gelling, you know. I I, I really think this, they're here to stay, here to submit their dominance of the NL Central.
1: Gotta agree with you there. I picked the Cardinals to win they're finally putting it together might not be as sexy and they're not as dominant as maybe some people thought they would be but the brewers kind of cooled off after that first month of the season uh cubs reds and pirates all kind of where i expected them pirates down at the bottom cubs and reds maybe trading back and forth with that third and fourth spot but uh you know christian yelich he's out with the back I don't really know what he's going to be doing, but even then he wasn't producing all that much. So we've seen that the Brewers can can do his thing. I mean, Corbin Burns, just mm-hmm. not walking anybody, mm-hmm. just insane.
0: Well, the, the thing I have to ask, so I think what, 20, 2018 was really like, the not going to say breakout year, but that was the year of Yellich, correct? Or is it 2019 I was thinking of?
1: Well, if you can just ramble for a little bit, I can uh, now.
0: Well, we'll, go, well what, I'm, what I'm just trying to say is, you know, ever since – he had that one phenomenal season. I think it was 19, actually. Um, it might have been 19 is when he got hurt. So maybe 2018. But, you know, he was just fucking killing it. Offense. Yes, defense. I believe it
1: was 18 because in 19, he was supposed to repeat with MVP. But then he got hurt. And yeah. in 2020,
0: he was just dog shit. Yeah. So the question I have to you is, was, he, was it just luck that he was playing as good as he was? Or is it just, you know, being playing at that high of a caliber, you know, there's seasons where you don't produce as much and maybe next year you'd be just as good.
1: I'm not going to say it's luck because even when he played with the Marlins, he was a a damn good player and he could have been a cornerstone over there with Stanton and uh, Fernandez. So he he's been really good for his entire career. I mean, he started in 13 and pretty much up until that injury in 19, he was like one of the best players in the league. And he's kind of tall, little skinny, you know, lengthy, getting up there in age his he is, let's see, 29. He's going to be 30 this, or he's going to be 30 at the end of the year. So he's going to play through his age 29 season this year. Little concerning that he's 29 and he's little, he's been bitten by the injury bug for
0: the last two years. Do you think he's somebody that will get another big contract? Is, is he good enough to get another big contract to, you know, maybe, Maybe this is the back half of his career. I mean, yeah, he's only 29, turning 30, but with all these injuries, do you see him getting another big contract? Or is he one of those people that it's like, uh, eh, you know, we're we're not gonna we're not gonna invest? Well, I would say no,
1: Dominic. Do you know uh, when he's uh, signed through, when his last year is?
0: Probably like fucking 2030 or something stupid like that.
1: Correct. He's signed through 2028. There is a 29th or a 2029 option, so he's gonna be with the Brewers, or at least under that contract for a long time. And by that point, he's going to be what? That's eight years. So he's going to be 35. It all just depends. If he stays healthy, which is a big ask at this point, he can get, you know, like a good little two-year, maybe a one-year contract. He just kind of goes a Nelson Cruz route, and he can kind of bounce around or stay with the the Brewers. But if you're going to ask me a, a contract question, absolutely not. He's not getting another big
0: contract. Okay. I just, you know, a little thought came into my mind. So we we can move on to the uh, NL West and you can, you know, be in awe of what teams in first.
1: Yes, I am in awe of the San Francisco Guiantes. They are 18 and 13 standing the top, only a half game lead over the Padres, which is exciting for this weekend because they are facing the Padres. So maybe the Padres can overtake them, or maybe the Giants can uh, grow that lead and the Dodgers down in third, and 17-15, a game and a half. We all were just kind of writing off the the Giants, for better or for worse. I saw them, you know, third place, maybe fourth place, but they're they're doing what they got to do. A little bit of an injury thing with uh, Buster Posey. Yaz is out. So maybe this is the right time for the Padres to strike and overtake the Giants in this weekend series.
0: I got a feeling after this weekend, you're going to have – I would say probably it sucks because I it's hard to stay loyal right now, Brandon, because I do wholeheartedly like and love the A's. I have gone to more games in my lifetime. You've kind of shown me the light at the end of the tunnel. But when I look at the NL West and I see San Francisco on top, it's kind of hard for me to really downplay it and be like, you know what? they have a decent, I mean, they have a decent lineup. Everything's kind of above average for them and all these other teams, they have all these high players, but at some of the other spots, their players aren't, you know, that good. Um, I I will give to the Padres. I think they will be on top after this weekend, but those giants, they're going to, they're, they're going to be crawling back on top eventually.
1: Yeah. I'm going to say the Padres take at least two out of three, and with uh, that bacon, one and a half game lead over the giants, the Dodgers down. I mean, good God, they are just, they, they have so much, so many injury problems. And the thing going into this Dodgers, like they have so much depth. They're so they have so many different pitchers and they're so great, but I mean, it's really testing how deep they actually are. And Dustin may, I mean, that, that just sucks. You saw the video last weekend, he throws a pitch and he kind of like already knew first, he got put on the 10 day IL, but then, it came out that he got clipped for Tommy John, and it's like that That just really sucks. It's sad to see because Dustin May was kind of one of those guys that I really enjoyed watching pitch, and I'm not going to be able to see him for like a year and a half now.
0: Well, the only thing I got to say is I <sighs> hate to see it. I didn't really care for Dustin May, realistically. I'm over Kershaw kind of guy.
1: Well, Clayton Kershaw got his shit absolutely wrecked by the Chicago Cubs. The other day, four runs in the first inning, got taken out shortest st- uh, stint of his career. Dominic, your boy ain't looking so hot.
0: Let's get one thing straight here. He's not my boy.
1: See, now that I'm doing these previews, I'm kind of more into the baseball. I can just spout these things off the top of my head and just make your life a lot more difficult.
0: Uh, I mean, tell me something new. I mean, I always fucking I said know more, I said more.
1: I said more difficult. I know yeah. it's a hard knock life for Dominic.
0: Exactly, but I mean, making, home me, home making me look stupid is not that fucking hard. Playing Battlefield so. 2. Battlefront, motherfucker. Jeez. Whatever. God, lay off the fucking steroids. By the way, happy birthday, Willie Mays. Happy birthday. Belayed birthday. 90 years old.
1: Willie Mays, greatest player of all time?
0: I would say so. Donna, can you get an unmute your microphone? Sorry, I thought I did. Uh, close. I'll say close. He's like a Tied, maybe second place. Okay, okay, who's uh, who's number one? You, Brandon, you're so good. Oh, thank
1: you, thank you. Even though I didn't get, I don't have a major league at bat, but that's Or,
0: okay. you know, okay. a varsity letter or anything like that.
1: Hey, I am a varsity level, a royal golfer, okay? It doesn't matter that everybody who joins the golf team is varsity, but damn it. Well, I don't actually like have a letter because I didn't get it, like physically get it. But damn it, you look in the yearbook. 2012, fantastic yearbook, by the way. Great layout design. Shout out to editor in chief Kevin Asvitt. Shout out to the whole staff. Fantastic job on that yearbook. Great, best yearbook of my four years there at Royal High School by far.
0: Okay, everybody. What's next, Brandon?
1: Let's get into some NFL news. Not going to go over the drafts, all the later rounds. But we got to talk more about the Aaron Rodgers drama. Yes, a lot more stuff came out on when we talked about it last week. It was more just the fact that he's not going to he doesn't want to be there. He's telling uh, teammates and things that he's not returning, possibly contemplating retirement. But now we have some like juicy, you know, dirt on exactly what Aaron Rodgers has been saying. He was talking to the GM of the uh, Packers and be like, you know, you're he called him Jerry Krause, the Bulls GM from the uh, mid late 90s watch the last dance you can know all about him and he was just I mean I mean something came out about Aaron Rodgers I don't know if this is like trying to paint him in a negative light but Terry Bradshaw came out and just kind of buried him and calling him you know soft and all these other different things but Dominic, your thoughts on kind of the evolution of Aaron Rodgers and everything that's kind of come out of late and now does that kind of change your maybe perspective of him and where do you see him landing? Cause it has come out that the Packers are looking at trying out some quarterbacks to put on the team this year, at least training camp.
0: I would like to think that Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I mean, just that name alone, if you look him up, it's, he's one of the best quarterbacks probably of our generation, I would say, in my opinion. Um, so having your ownership management team, whatever you want to fucking call it kind of just coming out and just being brutally honest. And, you know, it, it's something that rubs even me the wrong way. Cause you got to respect the talent, everything he's done for that organization, all of the, uh, you know, accolades accolades he's had and won, and they're kind of just, I'm going to say you're treating him kind of dirty. Um, I definitely would love to see him play for somewhere else. I am not going to say any sp- specific team, but I really hope he does get traded and really just puts puts his foot up their ass when he leaves.
1: Yeah, this is getting uh this is kind of getting ugly. I forget if I kind of had any thoughts of him actually staying with the Packers, but after what's come out this last week, it it ain't looking so pretty. Now at this point, I mean, maybe he's not even going to be there at the beginning of the season. I th- I think he'll he'll still play in the 2021 season. It might be a little bit of a shit show. But maybe he, I mean, I would love it if he just goes out wins a Super Bowl and just trashes everybody and just be like, all right, fuck y'all, I'm leaving because everyone's trash here. Here's your Lombardi trophy, shut up your ass and just walks off. Peace. And Terry Bradshaw's interviewing him. I don't know who has a Super Bowl, but if Terry Bradshaw was interviewing Aaron Rodgers after he
0: won a Super Bowl, <mwah> chef's kiss, that'd be amazing. <laughs> I mean, well, let, let let's us let, let's talk about real quick. What team do you think possibly has enough to get to trade, to acquire, to sign. What what would be your top two teams for him to go to?
1: That's the reason why I think he's gonna play this season with the Packers, because Aaron Rodgers, they they they're gonna want a shit ton for him. He and he rightfully so, like he is one of the best quarterbacks in the league right now. Deshaun Watson, he's probably not gonna play, at least at the beginning of the season, if not the entire season. So that just moves him up even farther up the depth chart. So I mean, we talked about uh Raiders 49ers Broncos are kind of the plays that he's looking at and if he goes to the Broncos I mean that's a really good wide receiver core a lot better than what he has in Green Bay Raiders you know they're kind of kind of hit or miss with what they receiving core but they're they're trying they're trying 49ers I mean great defense overall best you know best team out of those three by far so I think but out of the three teams that he uh wants to play for I don't think he's going to play with the Niners because they got Trey Lance the Raiders though they're kind of they got some money maybe they're going to get a crowd in 2021 a little extra dough to throw around and if Derek Carr doesn't look for the hype you rent Aaron Rodgers for a year or two you can draft a guy groom him a little bit I'm not trying to be a home or anything that seems
0: like a pretty good gig see I'm just afraid that They're going to want too much for Aaron Rodgers and the Raiders are going to have to end. I mean, they'll probably give up Derek Carr, but they're going to have to give up something way more valuable that I'm going to be like, nah, that's not worth it. And that's usually what the Raiders do. They usually shoot themselves in the foot. Oh, we got this great fucking person, but we lost everybody else. That would be great with him. So that's the only thing I'm nervous about.
1: I thought you're going to keep going because I was going to look up Aaron Rodgers' contract because I believe next year he would be a free agent. So he kind of is free to go wherever he wants that's what i'm kind of saying he rides it out this year and
0: the next year he can either retire or go wherever he wants do you think and and maybe this is me being petty or but but hurt booty tickled but do you think if he rides it out this season he actually plays do you think he would maybe throw like let's say they make a wild card game do you think he would throw it just to be like fuck you guys or do you think he's like no i'm gonna go out there and play the best i can
1: He's a winner. I mean, you put in all that work for the entire season, you're not just going to throw it away in the playoffs when maybe they don't have a realistic – I mean, we just have to wait and see exactly what they look like by that point. But there is a potential out after the 2021-2022 season, so that's why I'm kind of explaining that. He's worth way too much for a team to just throw everything at him because collectively right now, you know, there's teams that would be good fits, but then unless you are just dumping – draft capital to the uh, Packers, that team with Aaron Rodgers surrounded him, isn't going to be as
0: good as what they have right now without him. Well, we'll just have to, you know, circle back to this like we always do, just because it seems to be something new every other day.
1: Mm -hmm. Now let's move on over. We did the MLB standings. We're only a week out from the finale, from the play-in games of the NBA. So let's just take a look at those NBA standings. We already got some teams clinching playoff berths. We're going to start over on the East coast. Like we always do the Sixers nets and bucks are all, uh, they've all won or they've all clinched a playoff spot. The Sixers stand atop two and a half games over the nets. I I've already forgot what my uh, preview. I think I picked the bucks to win the East, but I was on the 76ers bandwagon. And then of course now they jump off of it. They're in first place.
0: Yeah. I mean, that anything in the east is always going to be up down all around just because the east is kind of trash but the bucks definitely will be coming back the sixers i don't think can really hold it
1: Mm -hmm. so the east it kind of looks like it's all set in stone maybe there's going to be some some movement in terms of seeding but the one through 10, it looks about right. So, if you guys are confused, I finally it clicked in my mind finally how the play in game works. So, there's the seven, eight, nine, and 10 seed. The seven, eight seeds play each other. Winner moves on to the actual playoffs. So, then the eight seed, let's just say in theory, the eight seed or the loser of that seven, eight matchup plays the winner of the nine and the nine, 10 matchup. And then whoever wins that game also goes to the playoffs. So, it makes sense now, Dominic. I don't know if you're confused about it, but I was a little confused on exactly how it worked. Just for the people out there.
0: I'm not confused about anything. I am smart.
1: Dominic, you are one smart cookie. Moving on down the East Got the Knicks. They're still there. Fourth place, 37 and 29. Five games back of the Bucks for third place, so they're not going to go anywhere. Uh, Got the Hawks, Celtics, and five and six. And then now got the Heat, seven. Maybe they can move up to six and clinch a spot. They're tied with the Celtics. But the Hornets, Pacers, and Wizards, Eight, nine, and ten, those seemingly are going to be the three teams in the play-in. And you know, we're not the East Coast team. We're not gonna know everything about these bottom dwellers, but the Wizards have been playing pretty good basketball of late because they were the worst team in the league and now they've jumped all the way up to 10th. I know it's the East,
0: but when you got Russell Westbrook, you got a chance. And and the Wizards, I think one of those teams that I think they're better than Indiana. So I definitely th- feel that they will be that team to keep an eye on in the East to kind of sneak their way into the playoffs and sneak the way up to, I'm not going to say, you know, division, you know, champion or anything like that, but you know, definitely watch out for them. You know, now let's go over to the West. The Jazz
1: sit atop only a game ahead of the Suns. The Jazz Suns, Clippers and Nuggets have all clinched playoff spots one through four. And those are just kind of a lock at this point. The Nuggets, or hold a six game lead over the fifth place Mavericks. But then, so we got the Mavericks at five, the Lakers all the way down at six, and they are tied with the Portland Trail Blazers at the seven seed. So Lakers could possibly drop down to seven and they would be in a play in like, I know they have the injuries. Anthony Davis went down again, had some back spasms kind of locked up his ankle. I mean, we got a week left in the season. Dominic, is it, kind of worrisome for those Lakers or is it like once, once playoffs come around LeBron turns it on and they'll be okay. Maybe they won't win it all, but
0: that's pretty much what's going to happen. You're going to have LeBron. He's going to go into playoff mode. He's going to fucking ball out. But one, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm going to say it. You can't rely on LeBron James anymore. I'm not saying he's trash. I'm not saying he's old or anything like that. I'm just saying you can't rely on him this day and age. He needs another person. And that person is Anthony Davis. Yeah. He has other players on the team that can do it, But when you have Anthony Davis as well, it's a lock. So if Davis does not come back in time for either the play in and or the first round of real playoffs, I wouldn't I don't know if I can hold my breath or not. I don't know. Once again, Dominic, we don't want you to hold your
1: breath because we don't want you to kill the brain cells that you have. Okay. Uh, But this is kind of the worst case scenario for the Lakers. Anthony Davis has a history of injury problems. LeBron's getting up there in age and they're pretty much like the entire cap for the Lakers. And so when you don't have one or both of them, especially if you don't have both of them, they don't have the supporting crew around them to carry them for majority of the season this year. And this is what happened. They go from top three to all the way down in six, possibly seventh and having to play their way into a play in game. And if, you know, Anthony, let's just say Anthony Davis doesn't play, there's a possibility they could drop two in a row and they
0: don't even make the playoffs. And, that, and that's something that the Lakers, I think, they know that. So they're going to be playing at high caliber. The thing I want to, the thing I really want to focus on, I'm gonna be a homer for a second, is, is the Warriors down in the eighth seed, 34, 33. They, uh, they need they need to pretty much lock it up, fine tune everything. I know Uber is going to get reevaluated reevaluated next week, but as of right now, they would be playing Portland. I don't. I, I think we can beat Portland. I don't think they could beat the Lakers, especially if it's a healthy Lakers. But you don't got to worry.
1: I mean, yes, it would be nice to win the first game, but you got to also look at the Grizzlies and the Spurs down there, and possibly the Pelicans. And even the Kings, you you don't know. I mean, maybe something goes awry, but definitely the Grizzlies are probably going to be there and then possibly the Spurs. So those teams behind the Warriors don't exactly scare me a ton, but if you go up against the Trailblazers, Dame Time, or the Lakers, then that first game, I mean, the second game, if the Warriors lose, it will be a chase, so they will have the home field advantage, home court advantage. But it's one game, one play, and Steph Curry has just been absolutely out of his mind and that's kind of the one shining spot for the Warriors in these games is, if Curry goes for like forty, like he does every game, it seems like at this point, they should at least be able to make it there and possibly upset whatever. It'd be like maybe maybe the Suns, just because maybe a little bit inexperienced, even though they got CP3. Yeah, I, I, I they
0: they they would they would they would beat them. I I, I have that no I have that confidence in them, but. That is it for NBA, Brandon. Unless there's anything else, you know, because I actually do get to leave early today. It's not the my normal like, oh, I gotta get dressed. Like I do have to be showered and dressed because I have to do something after Ooh, I pick up the got studio a audience. Big old date tonight. You know, a date with Destiny, maybe. You know, mm. whatever, whatever. But
1: do we have any questions from the Instagram? Let's just check one more time if we go to the Instagram. If you want to follow us on Curveballs um, Instagram or Twitter, it's the same thing. It's Curveballs and CS, but checking the old inbox or checking the responses is a big old no. So only the emails, it looks like. And so that means it's time for
0: uh, Star Questions of the Week them shout yeah.
1: out to the show for giving the community a bunch of free packs and stuff because their servers have been absolutely atrocious that's well, nice to see
0: okay brandon happy for you man
1: is that a oh also before we get into mr <sighs> x's questions free mr x it is some absolute <laughs> bullshit that he is getting whatever the fuck from some fake AEW account for copyright infringement, so he hasn't been on the Instagram. I know he Dom doesn't care, but he can't send it in through his normal way to the Bulletcast through the Instagram. He has to Do it through Twitter, and he can't post his fire photos. We posted something on uh, May the fourth. He had a cool Darth Maul uh, drawing. So hashtag Free Mister X, absolute bullshit. Hopefully next week he's back.
0: Well, no, so I, not that I don't care, but. I mean, what do you know exactly 100%? I, I read some of the little thing he posted, like, you know, he got. Uh, I, I'm not a legal analyst by any means, but from my
1: understanding, some email account wrote up to Instagram claiming copyright infringement. It has AW in the name. I I don't know. He I don't even think he really knows exactly what's going on. He's looking into the matter. Maybe next week, Mr. X can give us like an update, especially
0: if it's some good news. God yeah, willing. I mean, because from everything that I've seen read everything he's all 100 legitimate it's it's not it's not him taking someone's design and being like this is mine so it's I, not curveballs
1: and share shots on instagram just blatantly ripping things off of twitter and you know reposting people's instagrams
0: what?
1: but we follow everyone and post everything so you don't have to
0: that's what exactly
1: all right but he did send in a question today. The which... only time I did, get, we did get DMC eight or whatever copyrighted, is when I try to repost. I try to be different. I try to post a Ronaldo clip. He scored like a seven hundredth goal.
0: Yeah.
1: And within like three minutes, it got
0: taken down. It was like, yeah, no, no, no. You wait <laughs> if I don't play that shit. Uh, whatever. See, people, fuck, fuck the government. Fuck all the people that control it. You know why? Because yeah, trying to microchip us. The fuck yeah, I look like? Exactly. But Mr. X, he is a real one. You know why? Because even with everything going on. He's still sending a question. And to all the people who listen, if Mr. X can send in a question going through all that bullshit, you can send a question in, too. So, and where can they do that? CurveballNCS at gmail.com. Exactly. Everything in the description. You don't got to type it. Just click link on tree. it. Link tree. It's right there. It's a link tree, buddy. Come on.
1: Well, if Come you on. look at the description, Dominic, we have a link. We have a written out for the Instagram, for the email address. And then we have a link tree for the social media. Um. Uh... And he's the podcast because he lived it
0: exactly. Anyways, he says hi. Mark. You can, you know, he starts off the email with hi, so you know he's maybe like
1: hi
0: human a little bit. He's probably like hi, you guys. Like fuck you guys, I'm pissed off. Which hi. what to do? Hi. He wants to first off congratulate a Mr. Joey Votto for 300 career home runs. It's a pretty big deal. Shout out, Red Hall Good. of Famer, maybe a uh, Baseball Hall of Fame, possibly second ballot. Anyways. Ooh, I maybe alluded to this earlier, but is there a chance Pujols heads back to St. Louis for a fair world t- tour? Blah, blah, blah. I mean, I, I would love it. Would love to see him, you know, play for another team maybe too, but I most likely would like to see him go back to St. Louis just for, retire as a Cardinal.
1: I'm not saying the Cardinals need to have him on the roster, but my first inkling ink, 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 My first Inka, mm, you guys made me ink. The, my first feeling a first thought on the matter was just go to St. Louis, sign a, a one day contract and retire as a Cardinal. That, that, that's days, what I'm talking about. Yeah. Just right off into the sunset, you know, people like that players who have, I mean, one of the best, if not the best player of his time of his generation doesn't want to go out like that, but a father time is undefeated unless if you're Tom Brady, but just hang it up Pujols as much as I love you as much as I respect everything you've done it, it's time to no one yeah. to quit and and yeah. not 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 you know not trying to be racist but I, I did watch a video that apparently we don't exactly know how old Pujols is and what his actual age on like the, the roster is and might exactly be what his age actually is he might be like in his 40s
0: how is that racist
1: well because like you know Dominicans and like the Latin American players it's kind of like Kind of almost like insinuated or known, like you know, the I am twelve thing for the bench warmers. Like that's an actual oh, thing. Oh,
0: okay. Yes, yes. Anyways, on to the next question. It's a football question. What you like to listen and talk about all the time, Brandon, is how do you think the Bengals did in the draft this year? Well, I guess I gotta
1: look up the Bengals draft class real quick because I'm sorry, I do not know it off the I top mean, of my head.
0: You don't know? I mean, I do definitely. I mean, they drafted a guy who's a really good player, and then. That other guy. Who I mean, was, who,
1: who, I mean, who was their first, uh, who was their first pick?
0: The Bengals. Yeah. That, uh, that guy that played on the same team as Burrow, whatever his name is, whatever his name is, Jamar chase. We talked Jamar about
1: chase. him. Yeah. I De- had uh, it. talked about him, but we were pounding the table, get attack or get alignment, get alignment. They did that with a second pick, uh, Jackson, Carmen guard out of Clemson. Good, good pick. It says here, I'm, I'm reading. I don't know if Mr. X follows this and knows who this is it's on SB nation. I'm, on cincyjungle.com. so seems like a very reliable source uh i like this i mean they got a guard defensive end texas okay i mean it's fine another d lineman so they're definitely trying to bolster that another nose tackle so they're definitely going after the defense going defensive heavy uh they got a tackle so that's good definitely going after the uh, the line which was was a weak spot on both sides of the ball got a kicker i did i think i did see this video of the uh the kicker he kicks from the ground on the well on the grass obviously and he kicks like straight up into like the rafters and he undoes the he does like the karate kick bottle challenge with the ball kind of sick oh here he's right there he's from florida he's from florida anyways bangles and then I, he gets a I, center with the six pick you know uh, six sixth round pick or i don't know if the sixth round pick
0: but i'm sorry mr x it's the Bengals. if they don't play well in the first couple games they ain't gonna go anywhere I'm not expecting them to go anywhere, but you gotta get a draft, you gotta yeah, think of
1: some good picks to uh yeah. to build a foundation, especially with where where they're at. Okay,
0: okay. By the way, Mr. X, I was just joking. I love the Bengals. Don't don't write hate mail. I'm sorry. Anyways, this next question is a baseball question. And what? Brandon, you like baseball, right? Yeah, I like baseball. Mr. X likes baseball, so let's ask a baseball question. It is after who it's exactly. Okay. See, I try to be all cool and like, you know, like include everything. And I just mumble like fucking fucking mumble, man. Like you're a designer. Exactly. After witnessing the almost throwdown between Garrett and Baez. Oh, my God. Completely forgot to talk about this. Glad he wrote in. I began thinking, should every sport allow fighting the way hockey does to get their aggression out of their system? You know, just let them get in a couple of good shots and then break them up.
1: Fighting hockey is a a fun aspect of the game. We had the Capitals, I think Rangers game where like everybody and their mother got put in the penalty box because they fought in the first couple minutes. That was just insane. But when it comes to like fighting in general, I mean I'm all for it. Obviously, you want to kind of keep them safe. You don't want a Miles Garrett situation where there's weapons and bats involved and you know things of that nature. But I mean it's kind of a fine line because like yeah, in theory you want it seems fun to have fights and you can have all these highlights and Nolan Ryan putting a batter in a a headlock and punching him on the top of the head. It's all fun and dandy until someone, you know, gets that Chris Brown one, two combo and gets knocked the fuck out. And you know, he's out for like two weeks.
0: So can I, can I just throw it in? So I feel like hockey because the fighting is a little, I'm not going to say, easier to a little safer
1: because you're like you're on skates you're kind of throwing rabid punches and exactly by the time someone falls down and it's like actually someone might be in danger they break it up
0: yeah they, they tackle them so my suggestion is maybe keep boxing gloves nearby and you know it's like you know they can like challenge them to to a to a like a like a one round one minute fight real quick and then you know if you lose or you get knocked out whatever you know, you have to get it's taken. It's like out. a
1: mound visit rule. You get like two fights a game or what you get one fight a game and you can, you know, use it whenever you want. But once you use it,
0: you can't do it again. And if you lose, you get taken out of the game. So like, let's say it's the pitcher and, you know, they they throw in the hit. you know, let's just say for shits and giggles, it's some random ass pitcher and the hit Loriano. They can he can challenge the pitcher. If the pitcher loses, he's out of the game. If Loriano loses, he's out of the game. But with
1: the state of umpiring at the moment, I would not trust. They can't even referee. They can't even referee a, bas- a baseball game. What the fuck sport is this even? How are they supposed to referee a boxing or a fight?
0: Well, no, I mean, like, it's pretty much, you know. Knockout. You have to get knocked out. I don't know. It's like it's blood and guts. Blood in, blood. Or surrender. Okay. Okay. Anyway, now we got that out of our system. On to some wrestling. Is it me? Or was everyone just using a toolbox in every no no DQ match in NXT I did see that little toolbox spot and seemed a little crazy not crazy but kind of just like oh shit he threw that pretty fucking hard
1: Mhm yeah, I mean it's it's mm-hmm. definitely more of like a WWE thing where they oh my god he brought out the toolbox that's for you know that's for fixing the ring it's a shoot brother but I mean that's okay I'm more just like a tables, ladders, and chair type of guy. Maybe some thumbtacks thrown in there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Let's not break out the monkey wrench.
0: Okay, okay. That Dark Side of the Ring was an emotional episode. Then again, they usually are. I mean, it's not called Nice Side of the Ring. Do you agree, along with JR and Cornette, that the way Vince handled Pillman's death on Raw was just to get ratings? So I haven't seen Dark Side of the Ring yet, but I do
1: I mean, I kind of agree. It was a kind of exploitive. Yeah, you, you know, I forget exactly what the date was. Like he, died, I think he died the Sunday, and they go back and they do the whole rating thing. I mean, and this continues. I mean, we saw it with Chris Benoit and Eddie, and it, it was kind of like the beginning of those types of shows. Luck, I mean, luckily wrestlers aren't just f- dropping like flies anymore, so they don't get shows like that. But I, d- I mean, I think it was more tasteless of. Cause it, she, they brought out like her, her white hair, her widow, his widow to like, to kind of talk about the matter, I believe. And that I think is what kind of took it over the line for me. It's like, you're just putting this woman who just went through the most unbelievable grief that you can think of. And it's like, you're throwing her out there on national television to talk about her dead husband.
0: I mean, I, I see, I would a hundred, I'm like 99% agree with that. The 1% of me, though, is kind of saying like, you know what, it's not like he, you know, he was, I think at that time, I'm not saying he was, you know, high caliber, you know, like, oh, everybody, you know, he was sought after. He was one of those, you know, top guys, but he, that feud with Austin was kind of put him on the map a little bit. Um, I can see why they did bring her out was kind of just, you know, kind of show that this maybe isn't a work like he legitimately is no longer with us, Um, you know, and we have, y'all, you also have to understand that, you know, I'm pretty sure his death did hurt a lot of other people. And maybe this was a way to kind of, you know, really tie up everything into one big segment and just say, Hey, you know, sorry, this is horrible. We don't want it to happen again. Blah, 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 you know, rest in peace.
1: And he died October 97. So if you're thinking of ratings, WWF was losing the war at the time, and so they were just kind of scrounging around looking for whatever they can get. Yes, Austin was getting hot and things of that nature, but you know, Vince was kind of looking around, was like you know, not not saying this was what he was going through his mind, but let, let's just use, let's not use it, but I'm trying to like think of a tasteful way. But it's it's Vince. He probably it's, it's
0: like, let's use it to again. our advantage. Let, let, let's make let's make this horrible situation something that people will tune in for to be like we want to have our final goodbye. I, I understand what you're trying to say
1: there you go see dominic that's why you're here you're useful for some things
0: thanks anyways last but not least brendan did you watch blood and guts I, of course we're gonna talk about it so of course i I mean it. we're not because i gotta read the slack question i gotta go you know get ready so you're gonna talk you have to be the one that carries well, on with thanks me. for telling me beforehand dominic well i mean I wasn't expecting to do a podcast today. I, well, rather... I,
1: I asked you, Dominic, do you want to do it at 1130 or do you want to do it later? And you said 1130 is fine. You didn't give well, me a caveat or nothing.
0: Well, I it was kind of something I forgot. I, I, I remembered like when we first started, I was like, oh, shit, I forgot. I got to get dressed and go do a couple of things. Anyway, Brandon, come on. got to catch don't... a brother in the shower? Your brother? No, catch a brother. What? What? What does that mean? I mean,
1: you know, you know sometimes, you know, you're alone. The wife's not there.
0: Lonely.
1: Um, take, take a look mean, at her, you know, her you conditioner. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, whatever you want to call it. Shiny I don't public. I don't
0: have a, I don't have a, a Lisa Ann anymore. So no, I'm okay. But you got Palmella. I do. She's, al- she's always been there. She's been she there. always has. Like 26 Trusty. years. Reliable. But anyways, no, I, I do. What about Lefty Grove? No, no, never, never. Okay, never cheating. Anyways, the last but not least, Blood and Goods was a bloody fun time had by all. I do think I agree with the majority of people I saw online saying that the only drawbacks were the commercials and the camera angles at the end where you see Jericho talking. What do you think? Also, how often do you think we'll see these specific matches in the all elite wrestling? Well, Dominic,
1: you can take it since this is kind of the big thing on the docket for wrestling Thank
0: you well i like the match goodbye no i'm joking um i i i will say the camera angles were a big deal for me i mean jericho landed on the crash pad the talking at the end i i would say besides that i think it was phenomenal um very well you know sorry breaking k very well produced you know the spots and everything were fairly good you know but i do agree yes the camera angles the talking crash pad all that kind of stuff is what not killed it for me but kind of made me like damn if they didn't have that angle you could have really just been like fuck jericho got hurt blah 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 but hindsight great 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 show um i would say being that the i watched this because for the first time in a long time you know had nothing to do but I will say that it, 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 I understand why people are choosing AW over NXT, you know, and to have a match of that caliber as your main event, and in my opinion, one of their better main events, it, you know, NXT needs to step up their game.
1: I agree with pretty much everything you said. I really enjoyed the match. I thought, you know, the blood. Definitely helped. Maybe a little bit too much, especially Dax got cut kind of early, like within the first couple of minutes. But the actual in-ring stuff, I very much enjoyed. I, I didn't like the commercials. I mean, I kind of understand why they did it because you want to have the the entrances not be during a commercial break. And it's like in intervals of two, so it's kind of hard to squeeze a commercial in between. But when like the chunk of the match, at least like the end of the match, is in during a commercial, like they cut the ring, they took it apart. Jericho and MJF go on top of the cage during the commercial. Like, it makes sense for to keep people around, but like for me personally, who watch it like on a slight delay or on DVR, I just fast forward all that shit and I just see like, oh, they're on top of the cage. But I don't really have a, I don't go back and watch it. It's like okay, I mean, to each his own, I guess. But the the ending, the finishing sequence, I would have done without that kind of just the entirety of the jericho submission and everything on top and then chucking them off the crash pad is one thing the camera angle is one thing the steel quote-unquote steel grate that is just clearly like carp like cardboard just painted and drawn on like really you couldn't you had to make it steel you went out of your way to paint it steel you couldn't just have like black make it look like wood like wood cardboard looks a lot more like wood than it does steel especially when it's broken like that, that that was pretty dumb and i was it did take a bit off of the entire match but if overall i'd give it like an eight so like the finishing sequence pretty much i would say took off like two points just mainly because of the ending it did kind of end on a whimper
0: yeah and that's something that you know something that they can they can fix i think going forward but all in all i think it was phenomenal um I am going to have to.
1: Well, Donald, before you leave, I just want one quick thought yes. on Roman reigns, new music and Dana Bryan officially, apparently
0: gone from the company. Like legit. It's a banger of a song. It fits Roman head of table reigns. It fits him perfectly. I really do. I'm not going to miss the old music just because every time I hear it, I think of shield. So maybe this will maybe cement him as a heel, as Roman reigns, as the singles competitor or not, Trying to piggyback off the shield and Daniel Bryan, uh, we'll see him in AEW. I already know it, so I'm not going to say goodbye. It's a messiah. See you later, Daniel Bryan. Hello, Brian Danielson.
1: Well, as Dominic says goodbye to Daniel Bryan, he's also gonna have to say goodbye to the people of this podcast, apparently. So, Dominic,
0: so long, farewell, Alvita Zane is goodbye. So long, goodbye, Brandon. I, I will. Maybe play Fortnite with you tonight. Good night, bye. I mean, just asking a question
1: real quick, Dominic. Uh, you oh, know, are we gonna are we gonna play like maybe today or tomorrow? Because I'm I'm trying to
0: get drunk and play some video games to be honest. I was told today. That or I was told last night. Today may be the day. So if you want to text the group chat, maybe like f- f- what 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 time do you what time are you thinking? I, I would say like maybe normal time. We can
1: go like a little earlier at night, but. You know, trying to
0: go to the gym That Like today. 7.30?
1: That, that seems, seems possible. So
0: I would probably say, you know, 7 o'clock, maybe like 6.30, be like, hey, you guys, I really want to get drunk and play video games. So why don't we get online like at 7.30 and play some Fortnite? And then, you know, we can go from there. And then that will probably make Mary be like, oh, let's play.
1: Okay. Thanks, Dominic, for just doing our entire nightly plans right here on the podcast.
0: Dude, I got to take a piss so fucking bad. So. Everybody, thank you for listening to my stupid ass. Brandon is a college graduate, a bachelor degree, journalist, working hard, 9 to 5. Working 9 to 5. And I am like 7 to 5
1: or 7 to 10. Well, 7 to 10 in today's case. Thank you for killing the gimmick asshole.
0: Anyways, you guys, thank you for listening to me. Brandon, do what you always do. Thank you for everything you do do. Do 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 do. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye. And Dominic's going to go make a doo-doo before he takes a shower. Now, let's move on into the shows. I mean, Roman's new music, talked about on the Bulletcast. I think it's a banger. I really like it. It's kind of more of a final boss type of a theme song. Has little hints of The Shield, kind of just barely in the background, which I think is a nice little nod. I do miss The Shield's theme song, but that was like the last remaining part of Roman Reigns' old gimmick. So breaking it out, I enjoyed it. And Brian, we've talked about it you know, numerous times in the past few weeks. As much as I want him to be, quote unquote, free and be outside of WWE, I'm also hesitant that he's really been pushing to be the WWE ambassador who can wrestle outside of the company. And I just don't see WWE wanting to do that. Now, could he be the ambassador and work for Mexican promotions, maybe New Japan? Yes. Like, are they going to tell him, like, you can wrestle wherever you want, but it's not AEW. And Daniel Bryan does that. I could, that thing's like a, a realistic possibility, but I just don't know if WWE would do that. But you never know. Well, we'll probably know in the coming weeks, at least get maybe like a hint or an inkling. Ink, inkling, I cannot say that word to save my life. But let's move on into the NXT recap it was kind of a a bigger show than normal for nxt they started off with a falls count anywhere match with isaiah swerve scott and leon ruff and this was a good solid match as you would expect from these two guys the finish came as swerve kind of assembled his posse or kind of his posse is heavy i forget what his uh, last name is i think it's like aj francis he caught ruff after he dove off of a ladder on the outside Terrible timing, like Swerve was way off on the side, and Bruff like clearly just jumped right towards, uh, right towards AJ, excuse me, and he hit a hit a move on the barricade. Swerve hits his finisher for the win, boom. Uh, so Swerve put put over pretty strong, obviously a, a interference finish, but Swerve has his new posse. He cuts a promo as he kind of walks out the door. Hopefully, this sees good things for Swerve's future as he can be a focal act, maybe not on the, the main singles division, but possibly in the cruiserweight division as a heel going up against Kushida? Quite possibly. Cameron Grimes has a squash match. It was fine, you know, maybe more athletic squash match than what we normally see on NXT. He goes to celebrate at the end of the show and he goes to try to get into the club, but the club is not open, even though it should have been open, but that's because the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase, bought out the entire club. So Grimes just had to uh, throw a temper tantrum on the outside. Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher take on the uh, grizzled young veterans in a tag team matchup and very good work, as you'd expect from these four fine gentlemen. And we get a, a shoe spot Ciampa Thatcher for the wins of possibly building, you know, more matches in the future between these two teams. But it definitely looks like they're putting more emphasis behind Ciampa and Thatcher, the newer team, the fresher team, the more over team. And, with MSK kind of teetering as a as a babyface team, this could be like the perfect opportunity to just turn him heel, have him go up against Chomp and Thatcher, and I think that would be the uh, the perfect way to turn MSK baby, or turn him heel, because going against, I mean, maybe you could do a Legato Del Fantasma double turn, but Chomp and Thatcher are kind of the hottest tag team right now. And it would make sense for them to be positioned in the tag team title pitcher now uh cross makes his entrance and he kind of cuts his promo he you know just more if you want some come get some type stuff we get pete dunn Kyler riley finn balor they all just scamper out and say their own piece uh, we get a big old kind of brawl everyone attacks Carrion cross but carrying cross of course because he's a big baddie right now in nxt he walks away unscathed then we get Saray taking on Zeta Ramir. Ramir, the rookie who defeated Tony Storm, I believe last week. Not a big fan of her beating Tony Storm, but let's, you know, maybe they have some big things for her. But then no, she just loses to Saray in a few minutes. Not exactly like a it was like a competitive squash match. You kind of knew going in that Saray was going to get the win here. And I mean, she was good. She showed maybe a little bit. I don't know if I say a little bit more because she had a pretty good match was always struck a few weeks ago. So still the jury's still out on Saray. She hasn't been asked to do too much. She's definitely more of a uh, moldable piece of clay than a full, you know, ceramic bowl. And you know what you're going to get at this point. Saray still can, you know, change some things and be a different act, but good first couple steps. Zeta losing kind of further cements that the story was not more about her beating Tony, but more the fact of Tony losing and, Just yeah, we're gonna talk about Tony Storm in a little bit. Uh LA Knight defeats Jake Atlas in a couple minutes. Once again, I mean it makes sense why LA Knight gets the win here is a much more featured act, but when Jake Atlas signed to NXT, I kind of maybe not had super high expectations because I know he's not exactly, you know, the most marketable looking, best wrestler of all time type of guy, but I mean, you could have done something. He has a a nice backstory. Not saying you like overly exploit the fact that he's gay, but it's like that can be like a nice little thing that NXT has. And he just, he came in, had a a little bit of a run early on and he's just not on television whatsoever. And he just pops up out of nowhere to face LA Knight in a squash match. I mean, kind of sucks, but maybe they're just kind of putting him in the PC and he's putting in work and maybe gets repackaged and we see him in a different gimmick, maybe a different name. I don't know. Speed and Tony Storm. She uh, had a little confrontation with Zoe Stark after the Saray match, and they go and Storm cuts a promo later in the show in front of like a Tony Storm flag or something like that, and just calling out Tony, uh, Zoe Stark. Very simple, straightforward stuff. Good delivery by Storm. I, I mean, the delivery's fine. I still think she's much more suit, better suited as a baby face in this scenario. But for what she's doing, she's making the best out of it, and I still hope that whenever her contract is up—if the contract is up anytime soon—that she leaves and goes to AEW Japan somewhere inside of NXT because not liking what I'm seeing from Tony Storm, I got del Fantasma. They uh, do a promo in the middle of the ring. Kushida interrupts on the Tron, and he says that next week, him and Escobar will go one on one for the tag for the cruiserweight title. And that that should be another phenomenal match. They had a good match when Kushida beat Escobar in an open challenge the week after stand and deliver. They're expecting another stellar match from those two guys there. But that's not the only title match we're going to get next week in NXT because Mercedes. Gonz- uh, mercedes gonzalez mercedes martinez takes on raquel gonzalez next week for the nxt women's championship and they had a, a sit down dual monitor you know they're in different rooms type of interview and they go back and forth and i really enjoyed this i thought it was it was good work but the only thing is once again i didn't know how i was supposed to feel like both of them were kind of on the edgier side kind of throwing barbs back and forth Raquel, you know, she's kind of the overconfident rookie while Gonzalez, or God damn it, I did it again. Gonzalez is kind of the overconfident rookie while Martinez is kind of, you know, the cool swaggering veteran who wants to, you know, teach some sense into the young kid. So, I mean, it, the match should be, it should be interesting to see what they can do because Martinez is a veteran. She's been around the block. She knows what she's doing. Gonzalez, when she's put in these bigger matches, they're not, she's not asked to do a ton, but what she does do is effective. Oh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Do they protect her? Because Martinez is an EO. She's not going to be able to run around and create all those types of movement. It's going to be more of like a plotting type of match, maybe similar to the Gonzalez-Ripley match, the uh, last woman standing match a few months ago to write Ria off television. But I definitely do expect Gonzalez to retain in the match. In the main event, a hardcore or a street fight is what they called it for the cruiser for the NXT women's tag team championships. The way Candice LeRae and indie wrestling take on Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon. I know why Dominic left early because he didn't want to face the facts that my girl Candice beat his girl Shotzi and is the new NXT women's champion. I was a little off of my prediction thinking that the way it was going to hold gold, except for, Austin Theory, but I was only a couple of weeks off. I I had the right mindset. I just didn't have the right timing. But yes, uh, I mean solid hardcore match from all four women involved. And we have Candice and Shotzi, two women who definitely have experience in this type of match. You know, it's going to be on the on the better side of not only women's hardcore matches, but kind of you know NXT WWE hardcore matches in general. And God bless Shotzi. She did her best to try to kill herself. She did a senton on a uh, a ladder, she climbed up the steel grate and flew off of it onto the announce table. I mean, Shotzi, she got her shit in. She almost died, but she uh, she definitely was flying through the air and doing her thing. But Candace and Indy Wynn still playing in. It wasn't a complete Dexter Loomis fest that I maybe thought it was going to be. We saw him. You know, creeping in the closet before their uh, their match. But besides that, we didn't get him at all in the match in the finish whatsoever. So they're still kind of elongating, taking advantage of kind of letting it simmer for a second until maybe we get a big blow off or a big reunion in the uh, next coming weeks. Now let's move on to AEW: A Dynamite. Once again, going to talk about the ratings because it came in at 1.09 million viewers. Uh, definitely up from last week's show, kind of down from what their first couple shows were unopposed to NXT. But on the bright side, they were number one in their key demo, 18 to 49. They were number one on cable. So good news kind of all the way around for Dynamite. I would have liked to see the total viewership be a little bit higher, not saying a need to be like the Shaq or the first week unopposed showing, but you know maybe get 1.1 one point something you know something like that i mean they 1.09 they're almost to a one point one. so pretty much you know one. but definitely a a good showing from nx from AEW. you build up the blood and guts match it's been something they've been doing for a while they they kind of needed this to to pop a big rating and, and it did so luckily for them they did that and it kind of as they go into double or nothing, double or nothing, honestly, is kind of like an afterthought, right? At least right now, because they've really put so much emphasis into the blood and guts match. And now we kind of turn the page a couple weeks. I think May 30th is the exact date for double or nothing. First time we're going to get a full capacity wrestling crowd on a major television show. Uh, you know, maybe a tad bit early for my complete liking, but it's definitely a lot safer than what we had in the UFC a few weeks ago. Both were in Jacksonville, but the UFC event indoors, 20,000 people don't know what, I, I think it's, they kind of allow whatever Florida allows. So some people wear masks, some people aren't, but you know, if you, if you feel like it's safe and you want to go have a fun time, double nothing, it seems like it will be a hell of a time. Should have been to Vegas, should have been there at least last year, maybe this year, but you know, we had a global pandemic and things kind of threw a monkey wrench into that one. The opening match of the blood and guts dynamite was a John Moxley and Eddie Kingston taking on Kenny Omega and Michael Nakazawa. We thought it was going to be a handicap match at first, but Omega finally showed up and attacked Kingston and Moxley from behind. But at the end, it did turn into a handicap match as Omega left Nakazawa and Moxley and Kingston uh, hit a double finisher on him for the win. Good Brothers attack Moxley and Kingston. Young Bucks attack him as well as they kind of you know make fun of him. And definitely setting up a match for the tag team titles. But the Young Bucks do have a match on the horizon, just kind of jumping. SCU is the number one contenders for the tag titles as they uh, won a fatal four-way match to determine that they are the number one contenders, even though they're already ranked as the number one contenders, which, you know, AEW wanted to do their sport and talk about rankings and everything like that. We'll talk about it later with uh, the Omega stuff. But uh, I I thought you could have done a little bit more, kind of stretch it out, got this two-double-or-nothing I know Moxley and Kingston has established themselves as a babyface or as a babyface tag team, and that's really what they've been hammering home. And this it makes sense why they're building that match to double or nothing. But I don't know if you could you could get more out of the SCU breaking up storyline. I know they can only have so many squash matches on on dark, but I mean just kind of rushing into it. And the next week, presumably the Young Bucks beat them, so then SCU breaks up. I mean, it just kind of seems like it's rushed unless, you know, uh, Daniels, who's been taking more of a backstage role is like, you know, I'm kind of done. I don't want to. I just want to get over with, you know, I'll have my kind of last full time match. I can still come in here and there, but let's just let's have the match with the Bucks and we can ride out into the sunset. Second match on the card, Cody Rhodes defeats QT Marshall. QT put up a fight, kicked out of the crossroads, but at the end, Cody won pretty decisively. Makes sense. Good. I was hoping, I was wishing that they didn't pull any shenanigans with QT possibly getting the win with Anthony Gogo interfering, but he decided to show up. A go go that is at the end of the match, gut punch to Cody, lays the Union Jack flag across Cody's dead body, and he poses. So this is what we're looking like going forward, possibly at double or nothing. Interesting. We only saw a go-go on dynamite, at least in that one squash match where all he did was throw the punch. That's really the only thing we've seen from him definitely protecting him. He has good look, good size, good, you know, verbal skills, good charisma and personality. It's just when you're in that work heavy environment of AEW, you're definitely going to be under scrutiny, especially with the, with the big man like that. But I've, ho- I've hoped that Cody can get the best out of this guy and it's going to be something interesting to see because for the most part, they're, in-house guys or at least lesser known guys that they brought in like Wardlow have panned out so if uh, a go-go can be like Wardlow I think AEW definitely has a hit on their hands Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page kind of promo up in the rafters and they kind of call out Darby and then Darby attacks them but then they beat up Darby because it's two on one and they throw him down the stage or they throw him down the stairs so once again Darby trying to kill himself I hate to see it. Uh, Britt Baker has a match against Julia Hart. She gets the win. Baker is the number one contender for her Shida's match uh, championship at Double and Nothing. Should be a really good match at Double and Nothing. I definitely expect Britt Baker to win, become the new champion, and kind of start fresh, start a new era of the women's division as Baker as a heel. Then we had that SCU number one contender match. The match itself, I mean, four you know four way tag t- tag matches aren't exactly my thing. I I hate how that one tag team has to tag out another tag team and kind of those spots are a little bit contrived, but overall is fine. Uh, Omega has a announcement. He's with Tony Schiavone on the stage in front of the double cage. And Omega says he kind of takes Orange Cassidy for granted, but next week it will be pack versus Orange Cassidy for the right to challenge Kenny Omega for the AEW world championship at double and nothing. Okay. Makes sense. Pack, if he wins, would be a phenomenal match in-ring-wise. They only focus more on the Orange Cassidy thing because Omega was just looking over Cassidy. Seemingly looking like they're leaning towards Orange versus Omega at double-nothing. Okay. I think you can go either, what, maybe Omega screws Cassidy out and he's actually kind of scared of Orange Cassidy. But going back to the rankings... I know he just lost, but Hangman Adam Page is the clear-cut number one contender, and I don't think they really explained why he's not in this match, or at least like in some sort of contention. And this is kind of the problem with wrestling wrestling rankings, especially when we're in a pandemic and you're really trying to hold off things for the big, big shows. Hangman, in kayfabe and sports-wise, he should or in a title shot, he should be the number one contender. Now you could write him off of like a kayfabe injury, which I don't think they've done that. And like, that would make sense. Like even if it's kayfabe and people will see through it, like it, it, people would be, I think more okay with it. But when you hammer home that your sports, like you're going to pay attention to the ratings, we're going to make sure everything makes sense. And when it's not a hot, feud at this point but it definitely can be it probably will be once we get back to full capacity crowds and i would assume they're looking at all out as that first big big indoor show outside of jacksonville maybe they go to chicago maybe they stay in florida whatnot and i would believe that's where we're going to get Paige versus omega where it's going to be phenomenal crowds gonna be hot i i would assume that's going to be maybe one of the best if not the best match of the, the entire year so but going back to Orange Cassidy and the, and the Omega interaction, I really enjoyed it. Cassidy didn't say a word and just perfect fits his uh, character to a T. So with the full capacity show or crowd on for double nothing, I expect Cassidy to be in this match and the crowd's going to go absolutely bananas. Don't know if this will be the main event. It probably will, unless they want to make a statement with the women's match at the end, but uh, it should be, it should be a lot of fun here. Another promo before we get to uh blend guts. Miro challenges Darby Allen for next week's show. Or so we're gonna have the TNT title match between Miro, and Darby Allen. And we are also gonna get the IWGP United States Championship match between John Moxley and Yuji Nagata. Absolutely excited for this match. I mean, it's not gonna be a barn burner five-star, six-star classic in the Tokyo Dome by any means, but just to see Yuji Nagata on AEW in American cable television is kind of cool to see. And I believe now this would mean that Yuji Nagata is only behind uh, Tony Schiavone, Big Show, and Chris Jericho to be the, and Sting would be the only four people to be on both Nitro and uh, AEW Dynamite. Obviously, Tony DeRussell, but we'll throw him in there too. Uh, moving on, uh, I mean, we didn't, I kind of just completely skipped over the Miro Darby thing. I would expect Miro to win. You have the other big matches on the show next week. Make it quick. Make it simple. Kind of similar to the Cody Brody Lee match when Brody won the title. Just get in, get out. Miro squashes Darby, gets the title, and we can go on from there. Then in the main event, we had the Blood and Guts match. Uh, Almost an hour long in length. Talked about it with Dominic. I really enjoyed this match. The actual in-ring, inside-the-cage aspect of things. I thought the pin the pinnacle wearing all white especially when most of them are bloodied was a fantastic touch kind of saw that coming the inner circle the baby faces wearing the uh, prison jumpsuits another great touch you know the white the black very contrasting very much enjoyed it you know maybe a little little bit too much blood even though i'm a blood guy but i think it was really well worked it felt like a fight it wasn't it was different than the nxt war games Like the NXT war games, especially when you have two of them, which like I understand you want a women's one and a men's one. Just have one. Pick a few. You can even alternate or have a war games at the beginning of the year and have a war games at the end of the year. One men's, one's women. But sometimes those NXT war games uh, matches do feel a little contrived, a little too spotty. And this one on AEW felt like a fight. It felt like a war. And that is what I took most away and what I liked the most about this match. And AEW definitely, when it comes to their uh, stipulation matches, outside of the exploding barbed wire death match that was more of like a sparkler, AEW normally always delivers their gimmick matches. Hard-hitting, blood feuds, they don't overdo it. I mean, besides, they did have that kind of weak stretch where they, they were doing like, Falls kind of anywhere matches, seeming like every other week, which I did not I did not enjoy. But they've kind of taken taken aback by that. As I said, you know, with blood and guts coming around the corner, they hit the pause button. Hopefully, they don't hit the play button after this week. But overall, really good show. Nice to see Dominic actually watched Dynamite and was impressed by what he saw. You know, continuing AW over a million viewers. I think we've kind of found the watermark. Maybe their high end is one-one, maybe one-two. And then their low mark is like around the 800,000 mark. NXT did get a little bit of a bounce back. Still not fantastic ratings though, by the way, for NXT. And uh, I mean, NXT is, is fine. It's not like blowing me away. It's not, you know, giving me super duper invested. It's just kind of there. Like the wrestling is fine. It's more just like you wait for the takeovers because you know that is what the good stuff is going to be. But that'll do it for me for today. Thank y'all very much for tuning in. My name is Brandon Tango. Donna Copson was here. He's probably currently taking a shower right now. And if you want to be a part of the podcast, you want to send in a question, whether it be sports, wrestling, anything in between, just life questions, anything, send it in. You can slide into the DMs, Twitter, Instagram, Curveballs, and CS, or you can email us, Curveball, and cs at gmo.com. Everything is in the description. You can click on it and you can, uh, you know, send us in those questions if you want. Go to uh, betus.com or whatever the fuck it's called. Go to like their MLB picks. And I have a little game for you. You can pick, you know, scrounge through those and try to uh, see if you can find out which ones are actually mine. Because some of them aren't and some of them are. I'm going to give you a little hint. If it says betus locker room staff, I possibly, those are all the ones I'm a part of, but that doesn't mean I'm a part of all of those ones, if you know what I mean. So I'll play a little bit of a, you know, a little search and search and rescue, search and destroy, hide and go seek. I don't know. You know, send it in. And I can tell you if you are correct or not. But once again, free Mr. X. This is bullshit. Yada, yada, yada. Thank you for sending in the questions. Mr. X are alone. Questioner, questionnaire, question person of the week of the episode yep don't know what the schedule will hold for us next week kind of going by the motions seeing exactly what my work schedule is exactly like i am getting the vaccine shot too on tuesday i do not know how i'm gonna feel maybe i'm gonna feel like shit i would assume i'll be fine by wednesday or by thursday by friday thursday for the bullet cast might be a little bit of a struggle but we shall find out thank you all very much for tuning into this week's episode of curveballs and Chair Shots. Until next time, uh, goodbye and good night. Uh, b- b-